And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. I want to take a moment and thank so very much the sponsor for the show. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research and advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Couldn't do without them. Just nicest people. I'm so grateful. So thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed Sidney Powell the first hour. This hour, starting about half an hour, we're going to have James Dickey join us. He is the... Um, He's just a great guy. He's a Texan. He is the chair of the Texas GOP, but he's got a lot of insights about the 2018 midterms, what the GOP needs to do to hold on uh, to win across Texas and ultimately to hold on to the U.S. House and Senate. So he'll be joining us, but I'm doing my top of the hour cruise through the news, and um, I have a lot of things to cruise through. And so as always happens, I have more topics than time. But I want to just hit a couple of things I thought were really noteworthy. And if I had a show every day, um, I'd probably talk about them more. So first item was last night there was in uh, here in Texas um, the uh, Dallas uh, County Reagan Day dinner. It was a really good dinner. We had Vice President Pence speak. Huge sold-out crowd, fabulous event. Congratulations to Missy Shorey, the new chairman of the Dallas County Republican Party. Just home-run event. Um, Vice President Pence was wonderful. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz spoke also. Um, toward the end, he was wonderful. A lot of enthusiasm for him. Just a, just a lot of energy in the room. And so it was, it was a great thing to be there. What I wanted to mention, too, though, was uh, seeing Senator Cruz kind of remind me of two stories I wanted to mention tied to him. And I'm just so impossibly grateful uh, that we have uh, Senator Cruz in the great state of Texas. One story was just a short thing, just to point out, if you ever think that the media is actually trying to be fair to conservatives, Senator Cruz gave a 15-minute interview to CNN. And so he gave this interview, which, you know, they're, they're never friendly to conservatives. But then CNN ran a story saying that Senator Cruz wouldn't decline to be interviewed, wouldn't interview even though he did. So he has the interview up. He has a link to it. But, you know, it's just a tiny little point to say, you know, if you hear people in the mainstream media and the CNN, especially left wing media, you know, say something that especially someone as prominent and, and outspoken as Senator Cruz um, did or didn't do something, you know, do, do a fact check. You can be your own fact checker. Second point on Senator Cruz, I just really could not wait to you know, sing his praises for, you know, he's a stalwart conservative in the United States Senate. He has, even though he was in the presidential campaign running, uh, as you know, among the 17 conservatives, all Republicans, all running to be president. Um, he you know, ran against President Trump and obviously lost, had to withdraw. I think it was after Indiana, one of the primaries he withdrew. But he has been a great and helpful and consistent supporter of President Trump. And I just think, I mean, I, you know, he's in many ways just tried to help, tried to, um, you know, you know, just be a liaison between the uh, administration, the White House and the Senate. He's just been stellar in that. One thing that he was really great on recently, and, and you know, t- I always tell you about my reason for I do this radio show, the reason I'm involved in politics is not because I really like the ugly part of politics. I like the notion of standing up and speaking up for the unique greatness of America and to encourage people to see the issues we face through the larger lens of whether or not what we're doing, how we're trying to solve a problem, is preserving America, preserving America's unique, exceptional greatness, or in some way chipping away at it. So 
one thing that uh, Senator Cruz, uh, there was an article out in several places, Conservative Review, was talking about how here we're trying to resolve this immigration issue and immigration bill in Washington. We have DACA, which was the unconstitutional executive order by President Obama, in which he simply uh, gave up on having the lawful means of getting to this policy, which was to have Congress and the Senate you know, pass a law that he could sign. He just entered an executive order, created a new category in immigration called DACA. So now we're trying to resolve that and and find a way to legalize or, or in some way deal with those people, whether it is uh, saying they're no longer protected from deportation, they might get sent home, whatever the uh, resolution is. Ted Cruz spoke up to say the title of this article, the way it was called, was Ted Cruz, Republicans are to the left of Obama now. And his subtitle was, I don't understand why so many Republicans seem eager to hold hands and jump off the cliff together. This is one thing I love about Senator Cruz. He holds to principle what was people were trying so hard in the you know Senate to come to a compromise that they gave the Democrat, the, the left-wing side, more uh, – more concessions, more leeways than even Obama tried to get when he entered his his executive order. So Ted Cruz will hold the line on important issues, especially, I mean, essentially his wording was, or the wording this article was, the way the bill was written that Senator Cruz would not support, he said it would have at least tripled the amount of amnesty that Obama gave out with the DACA order. Tripled. The number of people Obama was willing to essentially ignore lawbreaking and put them in some status that ultimately could lead to citizenship. So, yay for Senator Cruz for always being the one who stands up. Okay, so now I'm almost out of time, and it's still my <laughs> my cruise to the news. I managed to hit two quick stories. Um, I will tell you that I um, uh, just a brief commentary. There's been a lot of. Uh, joking and or you know kind of criticism of the national portraits that president um, obama and michelle obama had made of themselves the, the the presidential portraits and i want to raise it just to say whether you do or don't like the portraits the person that president obama chose to paint him is known for the paintings he does of black women holding a knife and a severed head of a white woman just ask yourself what that means about the quality of thought of that painter debbie georgias come right back Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie George Adams. Just love having you tune in, getting to talk to you every Sunday evening. So I'm going to talk about a story. You know, usually I start thinking about this show around Saturday morning, and, you know, there's just 350 topics I think it'd be fun to talk about, but we only have two hours, so I'm honing down, honing down. And um, so this morning I was kind of thinking through the topics, and um, my husband came in and he said, have you seen this thing about uh, LeBron James and Laura Ingram? And I had not, because he reads sports websites all the time, and I'm not even sure I've ever been to a sports website, but I actually thought it was a really good topic for the show for a bunch of different reasons. So LeBron James is, of course... You know, the king. He's a fabulous, fabulous basketball player. 
and I'm happy for him. I mean, I love, I, I do love athleticism. We had a son who played college basketball. I, I love, I love sports, and I, I actually particularly love basketball. I think, and sometimes it's kind of a graceful sport. And um, anyway, so LeBron James um, had made some comments um, about um, President Trump, and he's they were, you know. Uh, he does the thing where he's famous, and so of course, when he's being do, giving an interview, he's on television, wherever he is, you know, he's listened to by a lot of young people, and especially people, probably young men, who really, really would love to play um, professional basketball someday. They, you know, he's a kind of a role model, kind of a cool guy, and so you know, he gave an interview um, along with another player whose name I cannot recall at this time, but anyway, the. Um, LeBron James speaks very harshly um, of President Trump, and he said, um, you know, he doesn't give an F about peop- about the people. He said uh, many other just uh, – he, oh, he was being uh, interviewed along with um, the uh, Warriors player Kevin Durant. Um, and so they he made comments about President Trump, and there were some that were related to the, the gun, the shooting at the Florida school, and just in general uh, about President Trump. And, you know – the reason I want to talk about it, and then what Laura Ingram did about it, uh, the um, who's just a really um, insightful and uh, long experience in politics person, commentary on politics, um, and so she challenged him on it. But first, to say about LeBron James and and all these uh, you know, uh, players, ESPN and many other sports networks and sports commentators and, and you know whoever they are, are these pundits that can sit 24-7 talk about sports. There has been such an infusion of politics into sports that it's really, really, really hard to take. It's a funny thing because my husband used to say, you know, we don't watch a lot of TV. You know, we, we don't watch uh, violent stuff. Uh, we don't watch, you know, we, a lot of TV doesn't appeal to us. But sports was always a place you could go and just admire athleticism and cheer on your team and be happy to watch these young people developing their talents and their skill and their game. I mean, sports was always kind of a wholesome thing. But now it feels like you're, you're stepping into left wing America to turn on ESPN. You have the left-wing view of pretty much everything presented as truth. So LeBron James, as an example, has heard the uh, left-wing effort to relentlessly, relentlessly paint President Trump as a racist. And this is, you know, this is, I, I will say, I think that a lot of America has finally really tuned in to how much the left just simply turns to name-calling and saying racist, calling people racist, when they don't have a substantive answer to defend their policy, to defend their viewpoint. If you don't agree with border security, you're a racist. If you don't agree with the border wall, you're a racist. If you don't agree that we should have a refugee policy that keeps America safe, you're a racist. Uh, If you don't agree with immigration, with just amnesty for everyone, you're a racist. The left has played the racist card over and over and over and over to the point that I think it's actually losing its punch, and it should, because it is really used in place of substantive, serious conversation, which is a hallmark of Western civilization. The civil debate of important issues, the civil conversation is almost gone. So LeBron James hears media calling President Trump that, and I actually think if you ever ever asked him directly, I'm not sure he could tell you. Beyond, he'd probably say, well, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want to give amnesty to DACA people or he's mean about the border. I'm not sure he would even know. But he hears the mainstream media on and on and on. 
And so he picks that up and he says it. But, you know, it's kind of like when Hollywood says things. For years and years, all these famous actors in Hollywood would spew talking points, left-wing talking points, you know, make everybody in the right crazy. But I think for the most part, America has now dismissed Hollywood as, as serious. They just, they don't think they're serious commentators. I mean, there are some fans who might say, gee, I always like whoever. And so, you know, I, I'm going to agree and accept anything they've said. But I think most of America just kind of dismisses Hollywood. But in sports, it's harder because sports for so long was noble. It was about it was about competition. It was about these great traits you're trying to develop and players and teamwork and camaraderie. And to see it just destroyed by left-wing infiltration is so upsetting. So back to LeBron James, you know, he made these comments, which were just obnoxious. And, uh, and so Laura Ingram um, challenged him on it. She's got her nationwide show, of course, and she used an expression in talking about the stupidity of his comments where she ended up saying, shut up and dribble. Well, she's playing off her book. She wrote a book called Shut Up and Sing, which is essentially about performers and singers and Hollywood people. You know, stop talking politics. You don't know what you're talking about. Just, you know, shut up and sing. And so she said that, too, about LeBron James. She did go through a commentary explaining why she was so bothered by his remarks because they're just he's just parroting what he hears. So it's been it's made a very public back and forth between them. So uh, LeBron James, of course, immediately um, alleged that there was racist undertones in her co- or no liberals did decide to say that there were racist undertones in her comments. But she and, you know, this happens so much on the right. If you're called a racist, if someone even says, well, that sounds kind of racist. The quick thing you do, if you are don't have a firm spine, you say, well, no, I didn't mean that. I swear I'm not really a racist. I'm a really good person. I would never be racist. You start defending yourself and backpedaling. Laura Ingram was not racist to point out the kind of things LeBron James said. So, you know, she did. She doubled down. She responded by inviting him on her show and uh, her tweet, which I'm hoping <laughs> actually first LeBron uh, James tweeted out. We will not shut up and dribble. It's like, OK, fine. He tweets that. But Laura Ingram was back uh, with a Twitter uh, with a tweet. And Laura Ingram said, hey, King, come play on my court next week. You're invited on the show anytime. You know something? I don't know if LeBron James will be afraid of her and think, I don't want to argue into a corner. I don't know if he'll go and think he can, you know, talk over her, which I would never try to talk over Laura Ingram. I would I would try to get my sentence finished before she jumped in, but I'm really glad she didn't. And actually, I saw LeBron James, one response he did, he put up a... a a lighted message that said, it said, I am more than an athlete, you know, which she was just saying, you're just an athlete. You just dribble. And that's true. He is more than an athlete and Hollywood actors are more than actors. They're people. But the problem is the number of Americans who assume because LeBron James can dribble and shoot well, that he's insightful politically, that even has the facts straight that he could explain why he thinks the things he does, that he could, for example, and I don't know what he would say politically, but I don't know if he could explain well why he thinks the the porous border is okay or why DACA amnesty is a perfect idea or why whatever he would want to say. I love the idea of inviting the conversation. 
I don't, as I say, I don't know if he'll do it. He may think he doesn't want to get embarrassed by her. He may think he doesn't want to get drawn into a conversation where his lack of knowledge may, may, be, may show. And honestly, even if he comes and he has an articulate presentation of here's why I think whatever, Trump is a racist or whatever he wants to say, but he can be articulate, this is healthy. This is what Western civilization is supposed to be able to afford, actual exchange of ideas and, and and in this particular case, Laura Ingram, sharp-tongued as she is, I mean, she's just really well-informed. She's been a, not just a political commentator, but an activist. She's very well-informed. She understands history and data and facts. So she will bring to the conversation her knowledge, and he can bring his. And, you know, and, you know he may not do it, but what I really like about this story is I like that she didn't just say, well, okay, you know, I sure don't want to— um, you know, be called a racist. So I'm going to back right down. So she invited him on the show, I guess, to be continue. We'll find out if he goes. But I do think, and the, the larger point about that is so much in politics in America has dissolved into um, name calling by the left, either defensiveness on the right, or sometimes, you know, inappropriate, uh, you know, kind of angry response from the right. But all of that is, it's not. It, de- it shouldn't be that way in Congress. It shouldn't be that way in our political debates. It shouldn't be that way in our daily conversations. Part of what we pride ourselves on in America, and in, and I say Western civilization, is that we are founded on the actual exchange of ideas. And that's what Laura Ingram is really saying to LeBron James. You know what? Come on, buddy. Let's come on and talk about it. Now, I don't know whether uh, he'll go or not. I kind of hope he does. And um, for all of you out there, if you challenge people, don't and if you have your facts straight. As I'm always saying, get your facts, get your talking points ready, and go ahead and speak up and have that debate. Listen to other people, tell your ideas, because that's how you get to spread what's true about America. Okay, I'm Debbie George S. America Can We Talk? After break, we have a guest in studio, James Dickey, chair of the of the Texas GOP. Talk to you after the break. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. 
Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I got to tell you, folks, this is just the most fun uh, I'd have every every week. The fastest two hours of my week, as they always say. Okay, so we have in studio James Dickey, and I'm going to tell you a tiny bit about him. He is the current chair of the Texas Republican Party, um, and he is a um, he just got into that role. Is it June of last year? Yes. June of 2017. Okay, so you know he's uh, not even been there a year, and uh, you know it's a I don't know what's a good word to say. It is a busy, thankless, not thankless. People are grateful for it, but it's but it is a, an amazingly busy volunteer job. It is. It is. Okay. And so, you know, here we are. We are in just February, early or mid-February, I guess, 2018. We have midterms coming up. And a lot of people are talking about how they think maybe we're going to end up having um, 
significant pressure from the Democrats in Texas. So, first of all, how serious is that? Are we really concerned about Democrats? I know they're working in Texas, but we, are, we, are we concerned about the, the uh, role te- the Democrats may play in our 2018 elections? In- well, yes. I mean, first of all, it would be incredibly foolish of us to not take every challenge seriously. Uh, uh, fortunately, our elected officials respect very much the need to earn every vote. And so as they go out and work across the state, they're taking it very seriously. Uh, we've seen these special elections where Democrat turnout has been massive. Yes. And having been somebody who came up on the Tea Party side, on the Republican uh, side, I, I, have, I saw how powerful a movement was that was out of the mainstream that the Democrats didn't see coming. And partly we, we gained 1,000 seats across the country because they didn't see it coming. So we're not we're not going to repeat that mistake. We're taking things very very seriously. And you told me a number on the phone. We talked briefly to try to prepare for today. What is the number of seats Republican seats up for election this fall in, well, te- in no, Texas? No, it's not uh, seats. What uh, what I was saying is uh, right now Republican candidates filed to run in primaries across the state oh. 3862. Okay, so that includes, like, if, if there were four people in a primary, that includes all four of them. Yeah, in fact, in Congressional District 21, where Lamar Smith retired and decided not to run, there are 18 candidates in that one race. I, I could cringe about that. I'll t- I've known Lamar Smith a long time. I, I, I really, I mean, I I guess he's being gracious and staying out of it and not designating an heir apparent, but wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, it's a good thing. It shows you really how much, I mean, 18 people willing to put all that time in yes. to run is pretty amazing. It is. And as conservatives, we believe in the power of competition. We believe that it makes everyone better. And so, frankly, I'm very excited that we've had so many lively primaries this season. My biggest fear was knowing how fired up the Democrats are. I mean, they want to burn the place down. They want to impeach the president. They they cannot wait to do anything they can do. Um, I was worried that we would have kind of a boring primary, and I'm very grateful that that's not at all true. We're having an exciting, challenging, interesting primary, and I can't wait to take that energy, take it to our state convention in June, and then take it to success in November. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. On all of the above. So back to that number of seats. So once the primaries are over, still it's an enormous number of people we have. And we tend to think, you know, the voters think, oh, OK, we it's not a presidential year. So we're just talking about right. a couple of congressmen, uh, one congressman and maybe my senator's up this year or not. Right. But it's I mean, the seats are I mean, there's a whole host of seats that are that are elective. Exactly. So in Texas, our founders, God bless them, did not trust centralized power at all. So we elect many more statewide elected officials than most states do. A lot of okay. states, the governors will appoint those. Um, and so we have, uh, we not only have Senator Cruz up for reelection, taking it very seriously and working very hard. And then we have Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Patrick. And then we have uh, all of the other statewide elected officials. So we've got uh, the attorney generals up. We the uh, we got uh, agriculture commissioner. We got a, a railroad commissioner. We've Is got land commissioner in there. Land so, commissioners yeah. in there. Yeah. So we've got we've got a lot of statewide elected officials running. And then uh, of course we have all ninety five of our Republican. All hundred and fifty House seats are up. Ninety five of those are currently Republican. And we need to do everything we can do to make sure we retain those and, and add to that. 
And then in the Texas State Senate, is it about a third of them or no? It's half. What is it's it? half. half. Um, okay. They they run four year terms, so okay. it's half. And that and this year happens to be a heavily biased Republican uh, year. So more Republicans are up. More yeah. Republicans are up. So okay. yeah, we have got twelve Republican senators who are up, and we have twenty. Uh, yeah, 20 Republican senators. Okay, we're speaking to James Dickey, who's the chairman of the Texas State GOP. And I, I saw you at a function last night. I guess we didn't ever talk about it. I was telling you at some point about I went to, if you listeners are thinking, well, I don't really bother voting in midterms because they don't really matter. I'm going to tell you something. I went to the um, Democrat, uh, it was a, a forum or a debate, I guess they called it a forum, uh, put on by League of Women Voters. Uh, for the candidates running for CD32. So this is my happening my congressional district, CD32, currently held by Pete Sessions, seven Democrats running. And I was just curious. My husband and I went and, you know, I was, we sat right in the front row, took notes. I would just tell you a few things. If you think that the, that, you know, Democrat, I'm trying to raise the alarm, but the Democrats are serious this time. All seven of them, if you're ever thinking about, you know, anyway, I'm going to go there. All seven of them would, number one, impeach President Trump. Uh, first chance they got. In right. fact, one of them, uh, the guy who used to be on Channel 8, Ship, Brett Ship. I mean, he he was like trembling with excitement, could not wait. If I the first day I would sign, it almost like didn't even matter what the facts were. Sure, I would sign that. Like, okay. Um, second, um, they um, would all go for uh, socialized medicine. They would all basically have Medicare style health care for everyone, single payer socialized medicine. Say goodbye to quality health care. Uh, third, um, they would all go for some form of very serious gun control. And there wasn't really, I mean, they had, there were some had a more effusive personality, but in terms of what they wanted, straight down the line, I mean, right. they're not tailoring their message to Texas being a more conservative state. No. It's no, alarming. No. It is. And it, it's something we have to be concerned about. And, and we are, and we are doing the hard work necessary to make sure that we're prepared. Okay, so hard work. I want to hear to start with. We have three. Yeah, we have plenty of time in this segment still. So, what are we doing to try to reach out to non-traditional uh, people who don't normally vote Republican, the minority vote that we sure. struggle to get? Well, uh, so first of all, one of the big things the party has done, and we've done it in uh, coordination with the Republican National Committee. The, the, so, the Republican Party of Texas has worked with the Republican National Committee and with uh, Governor Abbott's team, and. We have combi- combined all of the data that the RNC has put together for the last six years. They put $200 million into aggregating 3,000 points of data on every single voter in the country. 3,000 pieces of data on every voter. Okay. Every voter in the country. And then they've done extensive modeling on that. So we, we know um, how likely somebody is to turn out, which issues are more likely to be um, uh, driven to the polls uh, in interest uh, to respond on. Um, and that stuff can be rebuilt given enough money and time and, and technology. What can't be rebuilt is all of the effort that's gone into updating that with contacts over the last six years. So we we have six years of history now of interactions with not all of those voters by any means, but a lot of those voters where we we know how they were how they were interacting in 2014 and in 2016 and now in 2018 and so we actually have we have more people on the ground across the state right now than we've ever had at this point in an election and we've had them out since August. Okay, when you say on the ground, you mean people who are knocking on doors? Yes. So 
Uh, actually, it's 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 more than that because it's really a force multiplier. Our field directors, and we've got field directors in Dallas, in Corpus Christi, in San Antonio, in Houston, um, all over the state. And the, what they're doing is, and we'll talk later about the Republican Leadership uh, and yeah. Institute and, and how that works, but um, – uh, what they're doing is not only they're knocking on doors, but they are recruiting and training and equipping others to do the same. And we've done 12 of those sessions just in the last month. And we've got over 100 more people equipped to, for doing voter identification, voter tagging, and uh, doing one-on-ones. They do house meetings. They do uh, voter recruit the volunteer recruiting it's it's an amazing really it's a force multiplier and it's frankly it's the reason we had the ground game that let president trump win even though he hadn't had a ground game in his own campaign before 2016 this is truly staggering if you follow if you folks are following everything that uh, is being described to us what we're doing so this is what you're describing it was based on some rnc data but it's happening in texas and and every other state Yes. Uh, Not every other state. There are about 18 states that are doing it. But Texas is one of the leaders in terms of how many people we have doing it and how long and how much we've been doing it. We were one of the first to jump out. Love that. We're speaking to James Dickey, chair of the Texas GOP. And after we come back, that's his last break. I want to talk about the RLI Republican Leadership Institute is so darn cool. Come right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Welcome back to America Can We Talk, fastest two hours of my week. Show's almost over, and I'm so glad to say we have in studio tonight, if you're just tuning in, we have the Texas State GOP Chair, James Dickey, and um, this is a, a big year for Republicans. So I want to go back and firm up some numbers or make sure I understand something. So right now, the Texas GOP has, I mean, how many people have you gone put through this training so they're actually learning how to do all these things that you are doing? Okay, so so far, just through our our RLI initiatives, it's only been about a hundred, but we're working on expanding that out. What's really amazing is that that RNC data that we have access to and that we can we can expand out. We have over a thousand people that we've signed up for this data access, and that's candidates and activists and the and office holders that so we've signed up to use this data in just the last six months. And that's more than in the four years before. I love that. More than the whole four years. Okay, so the 1,000 people can access. They could say, well, my neighborhood, how do I go figure out who I might talk to to and convince them to vote? Is that it? Yeah, so we do online training on how to, how to both pull data from that and how to talk to them on it. The RLI really walks them through. Uh, it's, a, it's a six to eight-week program. Okay, what's the stand for again? Sorry, oh. Republican Leadership Initiative, which... Uh, if they go through that, it's a six to eight week program that it, by the end of it, uh, they will be prepared to be an exceptional campaign force for any Republican officeholder out there. In fact, I was talking to folks last night. There are campaigns already who they're sourcing their people and asking their people to go through our training 
so that once they're through our training, they go back to the campaign and then are paid staff at the campaign to work the campaigns. And it's so, it truly is amazing. Yeah. So the candidates who want to have better informed vol- workers, volunteers are paid, better informed people, they go through this as they learn kind of you have data on people, all these thousand. Yep. And the, it's also kind of how to do it, how to, exactly. how to serve and, people. And up they to- really do uh, that. They learn by doing. In fact, every one of our field staff has been through the same program, except for a couple of people who were grandfathered in because they were on before. But every new person we're adding. We're not adding anybody who hasn't already been through this program. And the same goes for all the best run campaigns we're seeing. I love this. I just love the energy of it. I feel like our side, I I do feel like sometimes what we stand for is so, you know, mainstream America, so right, so good that you shouldn't have to convince people, but we do. And yeah. we, we do. Well, okay. and, and we have to know, how do we how do we knock the doors? How do we recruit help? How do we make the phone calls? How do we do the mailings? How do we pitch the issues? Okay, so you were up in Wallsville. I saw on the website. You were up in Washington recently for an RNC. I was. What do you do up there? So once per quarter, the Republican National Committee meets, and the Republican National Committee is made up of a National Committee man, National Committee woman, and the state party chair from all 50 states plus— um, three, six plus six territories. So Guam, oh, okay, Virgin yeah, Islands, that kind of thing. So you're part and of the Republican National Committee. So I am one, I a member of the okay. Republican National Committee. There are 168 of us, and we meet quarterly to work on the budget, to work on our plans, um, all of that kind of stuff. And this quarter's meeting was two weeks ago, the same week as the State of the Union in oh, Washington D.C. And, and so you got to go to it, didn't you? I did. Uh, the, so yes, cool. It yeah. was wonderful. Yeah, it was it was so inspiring. We talked about it at great length in the show. Okay, so how are we doing in Texas on money? I mean, I know that people just, you know, it just seems like you wish politics could just be a pure discussion of ideas, but the fact is it requires money. So how are we doing, this HOP? Well, actually, not so quite bluntly, not as good well as I would like. Um, one thing that most people don't realize, as amazing as the Republican Party in Texas is, it's actually one of the lower-funded parties because in other states— they don't believe in freedom as much as we do in Texas, and so the law uh, doesn't let people give to candidates. And so the the only way they can funnel money to candidates, they funnel the money through the party. Wow! So I the party, know. so there are other state parties that are dramatically smaller that have budgets ten times, twenty times what ours do. But that said, uh, we've got a few hundred thousand free cash in the bank. We've got uh, dedicated funds for our camp for our convention. We've got dedicated funds for victory. We've got dedicated funds for the primary. Um, total, there's a little over a million dollars in the bank. Um, it needs to be more, though. And so for everybody out there listening, please go to grassrootsclub.com and sign up. Whether it's eight and a quarter a month or $25 a month or somewhere in between, that that show of support, you know, the voting with your dollars is one of the first most powerful things you can do, and it's highly leverageable. And we are conservative. We run the entire state party on about a million and a half a year. It's unbelievably frugal, and we can use your support. We sure could. And I will tell you, I think that that your presence, as you mentioned, having a Tea Party background, I think a lot of people feel that they're grateful to have someone serving in your role who is respectful of all segments of the party, uh, including the Tea Party and folks, the more conservative ones who might have felt crowded out periodically. So I, I think it's wonderful. And, you know, I will tell you, too, we think many people got um, focused on, I'm just going to give to my candidates, my choice. Mm-hmm. But 
it's it's a I don't know what's right for a force multiplier or something to give to the state party because you guys can't you're on top of the whole state and so I'm, I'm, I'm I I encourage you to donate I really do well folks. thank you and I do too we have um, a lot of great candidates and office holders and that's wonderful but the longest serving governor in Texas history was 13 years Rick Perry God bless yeah. him <laughs> well but the Republican Party of Texas we are this year celebrating our 150th anniversary so if you wow. want to have an impact for the generations and you want to have an impact that is multiplied across thousands of races not just one or two please give to the party absolutely true okay so you know i would say i how i really feel i feel like what most americans sitting back walking watching washington watching president trump they're actually enthused by all the successes he Absolutely. has uh, i mean he's just kind of uh, really surprised a lot of people i think they were a little bit worried he didn't have political background wouldn't have but he's done so much i think we have a great message to sell we this do. this this election cycle about what it means to vote for Republicans to vote for you know keep more of your own money but what what are the messages you think that your the state party can sell as a, to why you should vote Republican like what's with what's happening now oh n- no question in Texas people have seen in their lives we've had the kind of growth we we had over a ten year period we had more jobs created in Texas than in all other states combined the, okay pay attention that's yeah, rather amazing that. That is the result of the the kind of policies that the Republican Party fights for, for freedom and opportunity. And we're doing that even more. And what's wonderful is we're also exporting it. So uh, we just heard uh, day before yesterday that Brooke Rollins, the president of TPPF, is now going to be heading uh, Office of Policy Initiatives in the president, in the the White House. And so the, the things we have proven work here, not only are we going to continue to fight for them here and even expand them and do a better job here, but we're also ex- exporting that to the nation, and the United States will be better as a result. Okay. We are temporarily loaning Brooke Rollins to Washington. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was going to say that at the end of the show, but she's a good friend. She's been on the show. She's, she's a amazing. stellar leader of Te- Texas is. Public Policy Foundation. She's a – she – can talk just liberty and freedom in the most inspiring terms. You want to stand up and clap when she speaks. And she's going to actually be in Washington for, is it 18 months? She, uh, whatever the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be a policy person. And I mean, if there's ever any, you know, thing Texas should export is our policies. Absolutely. To Washington. I would say this about, you know, that America is a leader of liberty in the world, and Texas is a leader of liberty in America. And TPPF right. is a leader of liberty, actually, or at least the leader of the liberty ideas uh, in Texas. Okay, so um, we're I do have two more things, and I don't run out of time, but I always like to have, when I have someone from the party talk about the importance of down-ballot races, because if you're listening Absolutely. and you think, oh, I run in and I'm just going to vote for my congressman, what, what's the matter about that? Well, uh- the big problem with it and the, why those down-ballot races are so important, that is where we build the farm team. That's where we build the support for the party. And every one of those down-ballot races, first of all, your city, your county, and your school board, that accounts for dr- the vast majority of all your taxes in Texas. Say again, city, who else? City, county, and school city, board? City, county, and school board. Okay. The, those three things account for almost all of your taxes in Texas. And then on top of that, um, they affect your daily life more than national or state issues. And so it's very important that you you take a take seriously the saying there, especially because a lot of the city council races and the school boards are technically nonpartisan. 
And so we have deep red areas where Democrats are getting on and they're building a track record and they're building a donor base and they're building um, experience being candidates and they are working to prepare to run for bigger office. We need to make sure to cut them off before they ever get there. Exactly right. I'm so glad you said that. And, And on particular note, and I think Republicans kind of learn this from Democrats, is the Democrats started these low-level races that we might thought, well, it doesn't really matter, school board. What they built was name recognition. And then they built a reputation maybe in the city, maybe in the county. And pretty soon they're well-known to voters who aren't particularly political, but they go in the voting booth and they think, right. well, I've heard of him, but not him. Right. And so the idea of, you know, I, I, I used to really try to, and I still do try to be very conscientious in voting and go in and understand all the ballot initiatives and all the issues. But if you go in and you know you're there to vote for your congressman or whoever it is, and you see races down ballot, if there's a Republican or a Democrat, just understand the core of the Democrat Party ideology, theology, platform is utterly opposed to the liberty agenda of the conservative party. It doesn't matter whether it's dog catcher, school board, right. at any level. I mean, you just, it, it and, and you know, you, our Republicans, we, we pride ourselves on what we think, we reason, we, and so we can't vote if we're not sure, uh, and we can, and, and you yeah. have to. Yeah, please do. And please inform yourself about our uh, ballot initiatives. There are 11 questions that we really need the input. And there are three big reasons why you need to vote in the Republican primary. One, you get to pick who's going to represent us in the general election. Two, you get to um, qualify to participate in all of our conventions. If you vote in the primary, yeah. then you can participate in the precinct convention, which will either be the night of, uh, it'll be later on election night, about a half hour after the polls close, or it'll be on the Saturday after yep. um, the election day, or it'll be two weeks later. Um, but your county GOP office can tell you when that'll be, and you can participate in that precinct convention, and then you can participate in the Senate convention, and and you can apply to become a delegate to the state convention, which will be in June in San Antonio. And at that convention, we'll set the platform that we'll be fighting for for the next two years We'll select our leaders for the Republican Party for the next two years, and we'll set the rules under which we operate the party. And our delegates, we are grassroots up. It's those delegates that set all of that. And on that note, folks, you're hearing James Dickey, the chairman of the Texas GOP. I'm so glad you could join me in studio. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Come back next week. Tune in Wednesday, 3 p.m. at the Facebook page, America Can We Talk, my weekly podcast. Come back every Sunday at 6 p.m. to America Can We Talk. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.